Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Breaking the Ceiling. Whenever we start our day, what is the first thing that we reach for? A good cup of coffee, right? And one of the best coffee companies, one of the most quirkiest coffee companies, uh, Sleepy Owl has been one of my favorites for a long time. And today I'm so happy that we have one of the co-founders with us. Please welcome Arman Sood. Hey Arman, welcome to Breaking the Ceiling. Thank you so much, Ashwin. It's a pleasure to be here. So I've been a big fan of of you know Sleepy Owl Coffee. I've uh, you know seen you guys grow from when you guys were a startup or fledgling to where you guys are today. Uh, but before we get to Sleepy Owl, I would love to know the person behind the brand, the people behind the brand. So tell me about your life till before Sleepy Owl. Okay, perfect. I actually, uh, for those who don't know, I grew up in Kolkata, uh, Calcutta, and that's where my uh, that's where my parents are from, and they still live there, and I visit them once or twice a year. But I moved in 2010 uh, to Sonipat uh, near Delhi for law school. Uh, that's when I met my current co-founder Ashwajit. Uh, we were actually first year law students. We became best friends, and uh, in the second year of our law school, at the tender age of 19, we decided to launch our first startup and we imported bar accessories from China and uh, set up an e-commerce website and we started selling that online. Um, so this is way before D2C, way before, uh, you know, even e-commerce per se was like something that, you know, was very mainstream, right? So we took that plunge, we took that risk, we were very excited about, uh, you know, pursuing a career in entrepreneurship, right? Um, and the next three years of law school, uh, I would say, Parents said, yeah, you guys are no Zuckerberg, so no dropping out of college. You will finish your university and, uh, you know, you want to explore your fun passion projects on the side, go ahead. You know, we'll fund you, we'll guide you, we'll let you play. But, uh, you know, you have to finish your degree. And, uh, you know, five years of law school were not easy and we were running the business part-time. We were, you know, uh, very, very new to the ecosystem of like business and entrepreneurship, right? So we made our fair share of mistakes and we couldn't scale the brand or the business. And uh, by the time we finished college, we shut it down. But we had a decision to make then, right? Like, do we become lawyers or do we become entrepreneurs, right? And uh, at that juncture, we said, okay, you know, we don't want to take a risk immediately to start something without having some experience or knowledge. So both of us decided to work at startups. And he joined a uh, fashion company called Cora Jeans right out of law school. I joined an education technology startup called Embibe in Mumbai. And uh, the next six months, you know, we were living away from each other after a very long time. Uh, we were working, we were, you know, uh, living our lives. And then one day he called me and said that, you know, I think, Arman, we should start up again. You know, now is the time uh, in our lives and our careers where we should start up. And I don't per se have an idea, but I think if we think hard enough, we'll come up with something interesting to do. And that's when, you know, our third partner, Ajay, who was in uh, JP Morgan in New York, was planning to come back to India and either join the startup or start something. And when Ashdeeth and him got talking, uh, you know, they said that the food and beverage market with DoorDash and stuff growing in the US, with Zomato, Swiggy, Cloud Kitchen starting in India, that the F&B market is going to explode. And, uh, you know, our conversations led us to coffee. And we said, okay, you know, uh, we're all three of us were coffee drinkers. I was very, very comfortable with, you know, a vending machine coffee in my office. Uh, Ajay was slightly more exposed to the coffee culture in the States. And Ashwajit was one of the few people to buy beans, grind them and like, you know, go ahead and make a fresh cup of coffee every day. So we were very different uh, personas in coffee. Each of us had different habits. But the one thing that we drilled down was that, yes, coffee in India needs something fresh, something exciting, something innovative. And that's how Sleepy Owl was born.
That is fantastic, yeah. Uh, so I always love hearing origin stories. I love hearing how people kind of got together, you know, how the idea came up. So give me the aha moment where you all said, yeah, ki, this is what we want to launch. We want to launch, uh, you know, Sleepy Owl or the thought behind Sleepy Owl. Was there like like a one aha moment or did you all just ideate 100 ones and selected one or how did that come around? Like I said, so we, we went from F&B, food and beverage broadly, because see, we, are, we, we realized that if you want to start a business, right, it needs to be some industry or some space that you are passionate about, that you would be excited to do it every day for the rest of your life, right? Uh, or for the at least the next decade, right? So we said, okay, like, you know, food and beverage is the segment we want to explore. We started researching cloud kitchens, we started researching delivery kitchens, we started researching health food because all of us work out and, uh, you know, try and eat clean more often than not. Um, and, you know, while researching and while looking at food and beverage ideas, uh, you know, coffee came up as a part of the conversation. It came up as a part of the beverage conversation. And, uh, you know, we looked at our lives, right? Like uh, we were working out of Starbucks. We were paying 250 bucks for a cup of coffee. At home, there was not a good quality coffee that we drank. My office uh, had, you know, a crappy coffee machine. So we said, okay, you know, there's a gap. There's something wrong with the the coffee in India or the way it's being perceived, the way it's being sold, the way it's being marketed. Um, It wasn't rocket science. A little bit of research at that point led us to realize that cold brew coffee is something that is trending. It's picking up and uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a segment in coffee that is getting a lot of attention. The aha moment was that all of us, uh, you know, we've grown up having cold coffee, right? And it's not the hot coffee uh, or, uh, you know, uh, or a latte or an Americano, what we drank. We drank a cold coffee, right? Uh, which which we all have fond memories of, at least the, the people who are currently in their 20 to 35 or 25 to 35 age group are the cold coffee generation. So we said, listen, you know, India understands cold coffee, right? But could we educate them and tell them about cold brew as a concept, as a, as a cold beverage, right? So we said that was the aha moment and we launched in 2016 as a cold brew coffee company, uh, one of the first in India at the time. And it was obviously a very challenging road ahead to educate India about what is cold brew, what is the difference between a cold brew and a cold coffee and how it's better, why it's better than what else is available in the market. So I think whenever you stumble onto something this way, right, and if you're doing something new, you're a path breaker. The challenge with that is there is a path which you actually need to break. And a lot of the time it's education, it's discovery, you know, having people try something new. So I'm assuming that was one of your bigger challenges when you started off? Absolutely. Absolutely. For us, it was, you know, uh, see, uh, there are always, you know, in any, when, when you launch any product, right, there are always early adopters, especially if it's something innovative, something new, right? There are always early adopters who come and say, okay, we want to try it and, you know, give feedback and experience it and take that risk, right? After the early adopters get a hang of it, they're the ones who communicate to their friends, family and try and convert people to try something new, right? Okay, I'm enjoying this. I've had a good experience. Why don't you try it? And then gradually the word spreads and you have more and more people adopt it, right? Uh, So for cold brew, it was the same thing. We knew that, you know, uh, it's going to be challenging. It's going to require a lot of uh, marketing and uh, content driven education, right? That uh, we have to do at our end. Uh, but we were prepared for that. We said, okay, you know, uh, uh, we have to brand ourselves well. Uh, we have to uh, communicate ourselves with good design and good visuals because we are in the culture of Instagram and Facebook and social media marketing as, you know, 
that was something that was growing at that point as well and uh, you know uh, with that in mind we armed ourselves and said okay let's let's get into this and see how we can you know make something out of it and i think you've built a very very cool brand uh, and i think the name itself kind of gets people hooked to find out a little more so tell me the story behind the name so uh, you know we were we were lawyers and bankers before we started sleepy owl right so we we know what it is to burn the midnight oil uh, we know what it is to have uh, you know sleepy days and uh, awake nights as you can say right so so when we said we are launching a coffee product right we said you know it it has to be something that people can associate with you know waking up feeling fresh feeling energized right um, and at the same time these thoughts come when someone is sleepy or tired right that's when you probably say okay i need to go get my cup of coffee right um other than that we wanted our brand to have a mascot we wanted our brand to have something that beyond the name uh, can be recognized can be memorable right um and and with that with armed with that thought we were very intentional about the name it was uh, you know i mean we we were worked hard towards coming up with a name that was catchy um ashwin you'd know man like you know there are startups sprouting up every day right uh, especially in the in the consumer brand segment right and you need to have a, a, you know a, a solid differentiator in terms of name logo etc that's where it starts if you can get that right you already won half the battle which is to get a consumer's attention right um you know we were living in the culture of swipe you know tak 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 people don't stop to see so anything that you do that is even slightly hatke you say okay you know you've got someone's attention so we were lucky to do lucky to have that um of course over the course of our journey we've had you know three branding changes right uh, but at each stage we've grown and we've improved and most consumers including you yourself today might not know what the first sleepy owl owl looks like right um so so yeah you evolve as a brand but since the beginning it's been clear that we want to be catchy so the name when it came up you know it was a aha moment when my partner ashwajit at that time said sleepy owl we were like yes that just makes sense you know done like we cannot brainstorm more we can't confuse ourselves more and we were itching to launch so we said yeah you know once a domain available trademark available yes yes done boom close chapter <laughs> So I think nowadays, whenever uh, we're launching something new, so like uh, as a person and as a company, we do so many new initiatives. The first thing they actually look for is a domain check, right? So my team is actually trained when we come up with a new name. Within ten minutes, we actually have a process in which we see whether the domains available, social handles are available, if this is available, that's available. So that becomes almost like a thing. Like a name may be really good, but if something is not available, we possibly can't do it, right? up uh, to something i really loved about your brand is the way you positioned yourself uh the graphics behind it you know the way when when, when that brand is perceived so even before somebody touches your coffee they get such a good sense of you know the culture of your company and how the brand is perceived so is that in house you guys outsource that how is that how does that kind of evolve it is yeah it is in house it's been in house from the very beginning so when we started in 2016 uh we were fresh out of college very limited savings with uh borrowed money from our parents to start sleepy out so we did not have the resources to hire agencies or 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 big or, or or teams right uh so of course our first logo and first cut of the logo and the initial branding was done by my ex colleague at my previous firm uh okay. you know got him to help us out with it so that was that and ashwajit learned how to build a website uh, on squarespace So it was a oh. drag and drop sort of website. 
all the photography was done by our uh, Ashdeep and I bought a camera. The camera was one of our first investments, and he said, "I'm going to learn how to use a camera." So all the initial photography was done by him, yeah. and we got help from one of uh, <clears throat> our juniors from our university days, who was in uh-huh. Delhi, came and helped us out with that. Um, you know, so it was all all jugadu, like you know, I mean, all all like you know, living room ke under with a chart paper as the background. But we knew that, yeah, even though we're doing it that in that manner, it still has to be something that looks world class. Okay. It has to be something that is visually very appealing because with food products, especially food and beverage, right? It it had to be something that someone looks at and says, "Yeah, ye try karna hai," right? Ye to matlab lagta hai ki yeah, tasty lagta hai. You know, it looks nice. So okay. if you can get someone to look at your photo or your website or your visual and be like, "Okay, I want to try this," right? That's again half the battle won, right? Because that is what will cause them to buy and then try and then you know proceed from there. Correct. So and I think you guys have done an absolutely a fabulous job because it's not easy to be able to pull off something this way, right? And I'm so glad to hear that you guys have done it in house without hiring some big fancy agency. Yeah. So, and, you know, so that was that was 2016. I'll clarify. That was early days, right? But post that, we've still done everything in house. But uh, you know, it's not Ashwajit single handedly who's learning everything. We have a uh freelancers who work with us we've had videographers who come on board as a part of the team uh so all our social media marketing has been handled uh, and and you know uh, by by uh, people in and around us uh, we haven't worked with agencies and not that we have anything against agencies i'm sure there are wonderful creative agencies out there but for us uh, you know uh, building this out ourselves has you know worked for us and we like we we're as of now sticking to that that is i think that's really inspiring to see that you were able to get that creativity in house and still create such a world class impression so tell me about few of the challenges that you faced in the early days and probably you continue to face today so early days were were, were tough ashwin because we you know obviously as a bootstrap company with uh, you know limited know how about how fnb and fmcg works right uh, when we just started out i don't think uh, you know to 2016 2021 we are 5 years apart right uh, i think people starting out in 2020 2021 have a lot more access to mentors to uh, uh, industry folks who've done d2c who've been around for 5 years we were i think you know one of the early classes right where most people were just starting out then right um, so we didn't have that access we didn't have that uh, information or that knowledge so we made our fair share of mistakes um, we started out as a brand that was only available in delhi ncr so we were limited by geography right um, uh, we were working with a product that had a 30 day shelf life uh, and that and that needed refrigeration and needed to be stored in refrigerated sections of stores and needed to be made fresh every day and delivered fresh every day right so these were of course usps but also posed challenges in the supply chain and in the production and manufacturing side and um, you know was tough to deal with So the first two years were spent uh, with just a single SKU uh, that, that we had one product, one SKU. So if you came to the website, you were like, either I buy this or I don't. There's no options, right? So it worked in our favor because people were like, okay, cool, simple, right? I'm here, I buy this, done. Simple. You come to the website, there's no decision making fatigue, right? You're like, okay, I buy this and I move on, right? Um, but for us, we were limited by that geography. but what happened was in those two years with that one sq because we were so laser focused on doing it well and doing it right right we built a lot of customer loyalty for that product we were known as the tastiest cold brew in the market uh, we were known as people who had great customer service 
and you know that led us to raising our first round of funding uh, and with that capital was when we said okay now how do we how do we take this pan india how do we bring this fantastic product to more people right because just doing that uh, we were hungry for more right and we were hungry to take that product and say guys why only delhi ncr why not mumbai why not bangalore why not tier 2 3 4 anybody in any pin code in india should have the best cold brew coffee there is right and 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 with that we armed ourselves and today we have a range of products in in the cold beverages and hot beverages in ready to drink you know bottle coffee where uh, we are a hardcore fmcg player um, so we we have an assortment and then you know we said we have cool branding so why not merchandise you know why not why not get people to uh, uh, you know uh, has to be all mugs tumblers uh, pitchers and and you know um, now merchandise is is a big segment for us right and uh, uh, people buy it not because you know of course the products are great quality but and they are branded with sleepy owl but people are proud to be drinking sleepy owl coffee right which is very very tough to achieve uh, but i think we we've, we've done that and we have a long way to go so it's exciting times ahead if you reach that uh, status where literally the symbol has so much value people would you know proudly drink on a conference call from a sleepy owl mug that itself goes to show the kind of brand you've built uh, it's an aspirational brand for people but it's also a daily brand so that's you know striking that balance can be a very tough challenge and i think you guys have done that beautifully right and so what is one of the proud moments another really good thing about merchandise is that you know i've had people call me and say arman i was in manali and i saw someone using uh, a mug and that's how i first discovered sleepy owl you know i mean it's not instagram it's not facebook it's not word of mouth they saw someone holding it and using it while on a holiday and they said okay what is this brand right so so that's another aspect to it as well that is absolutely crazy how a physical product which is not even a product got people to try and discover you so i think that's a that should be a case study somewhere right like how a food brand or a beverage brand is using physical merchandise as a discovery tool right So, what is one of the proud moments in your journey so far? Okay, yeah, there are there are you know I think lot of lot of proud moments. Uh, but I think uh, for us, you know, it it's you know the pride always comes or that feeling of happiness. I wouldn't use the word pride, but that feeling of happiness and ecstasy comes when you have customers call you and tell you that you know they genuinely can't live without your product. uh that they've been consumers for years you know not not once twice thrice but they've been with us for from 2016 till date right that they've replaced the entire coffee in their household with sleepy owl permanently right uh so the fact that we've been able to displace um you know some of the big brands and be the only coffee in someone's household these things you know really make us feel that okay what we're doing um is is really really important and it's not it's not transactional right i'm not it's not buying and selling it's relational right where we've developed relationships with our customers and people and one of the reasons that's happened is because we've been had a very top down approach right where we as founders and as 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 um you know uh, as people have been very accessible right very available to our customers across all touch points right um and that's what brought us where we are today so those are feelings that you know or emotions that make me feel that okay i'm proud of what we're doing that is really really cool to hear how you've developed that kind of a bond 
and but being able to do them at scale is very difficult. See, if you have five or ten clients, it's so easy, you know, for people to have access to you and you being working with them. But if you are doing this at a larger scale, I think that's that's really aspirational for a lot of food companies which are coming up, you know, to be able to learn how important that relationship actually is, right? So, Arman, tell me a little bit about any of the new upcoming projects that you have, anything that you can share, anything new that you guys are working on that you would love for people to know about. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, so so my wife is, uh, you know, uh, uh, lactose intolerant, right? Um, and uh, we've it's been two years since we launched our Sleepy Owl ready-to-drink bottle, which is uh, cold brew coffee with a dash of milk, right? Uh and she's never tried it and she loves having our cold brew otherwise, right? Uh, so she's been pestering for us and I know that, you know, there's a big market out there for alternative dairy. Um, so one of the projects that we're working on is launching an alternative dairy cold brew. Uh, and I can proudly share that because we are quite close to executing on that. And I think we'd be India's first cold brew coffee in alternative dairy in the ready-to-drink format on the retail shelf. Uh, so that's been very, very exciting. It's been really hard work to... Uh, create this product and I hope that that opens up a new market for us in terms of people who've not been able to try us because of you know uh, stuff like that so this is the most exciting project that we've been working on and uh, let's see let's see where that goes you uh, mentioned your wife if I'm not mistaken she runs Atmosphere Kombucha right tell me about you guys tell me about how you all met Tell me what role are you playing in Atmosphere Kombucha? Is she playing any role in Sleepy Owl? I'd love to know that dynamic a little bit more. So I, I met my wife while she was working at uh, Fab Cafe. She is one of the people who started Fab Cafe for Fab India. And that's how uh, we met because we were supplying coffee to Fab Cafe. And, and you know, our cold brew was available on their menu. Uh, so she was the one who made that happen at that point in time. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, that's how we'd meet. It was more work, you know, like, okay. Um, you know, do you need more cold brew? Do you, does your staff need training? So on and so forth. Do you have any customer complaints for us? Uh, well, one thing led to another and, uh, you know, we bonded beyond uh, just that work relationship. And uh, it's been two years since we've been married. Um, and even then, while she was working uh, with Fab Cafe and Fab India, she was, her sister and her were running Atmosphere Kombucha. And they were just starting out, right? Um, so, so, so they were just starting out. I was already two, two and a half years into like running a beverage startup. So for us, it became a major point of bonding and sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, talking about, you know, business and entrepreneurship. And we really, really bonded over that. Um, so yeah, I guess, you know, I do come across as a, a sounding board for them when it comes to what they're doing and decisions that they're making. Uh, obviously, they have a mind of their own, right? Uh, she, she accuses me of mansplaining and... Uh, uh, accuses me of, uh, you know, uh, that we're two different companies, we're two different strategies, we're two different things. We are both beverage, we're both, uh, you know, a bit of D2C and a bit of FMCG. But, you know, the ideas are great, but yeah, like we, we're going to do what we want to do. And so there's a fine balance there. Um, but yeah, being a, being a hardcore foodie, being a person who is, uh, you know, uh, knowledgeable about food and beverage, uh, uh, you know, we both advise each other on, you know, stuff that we're doing. Um, I think that is so, just absolutely phenomenal. That's really, really cool to, I think, have that, right? Where you have that kind of working relationship and you, your offices are also right next to each other, right? You're, you're traveling to work together and come back together. Is that what you're doing? So do you all ever get tired of each other, like spending way too much time with each other? No, none of that. We don't, we don't know, not really, no. Uh, and, and you also have five kids. I heard you have five kids. 
a small we don't have five <laughs> five kids in two years would be an amazing feat but yeah we have five uh, we are pet parents pet parents so tell us about that Tell us about the puppy and then the how the kittens came in and yeah, yeah so. we have we have four kittens and a puppy, uh, all rescues. Uh, we uh, you know we rescued our first puppy during the pandemic. Uh, I'd gone to buy plants for my wife and I was in a place called Vasant Kunj in Delhi where uh, you know I'd gone to pick up a few saplings and on the way out I saw an injured puppy and uh, I, I you know I, I I don't know I just uh, my heart gave way and I said listen I can't let it be there. Uh, we brought him home and then. You know, one thing led to another and he's been with us for the last nine months. Uh, and we said, okay, he needs friends. So we got a kitten and, you know, now we're like absolutely obsessed. We have four kittens and a puppy and it's a, you know, it's a house full. But uh, honestly, it's the best thing because, uh, you know, our, our lives are stressful, hectic in general, right? So they are, uh, you know, uh, of course, they are a lot of work themselves, but it's very refreshing. It's very, they give so much love and, uh, you know. Um, I, I find them the best stress buster. Uh, I am so envious. I've been wanting a puppy and a dog for so long, but that's a story for a different time. But, but I would love to I mean, post this. Do send us photos. We will pop them up on screen where this is coming up. Right? I'm very sure. I mean, I would love to see them, but I'm very sure other people would also love to see the puppy and the four kittens, right? So I, I think that uh, tell me a little bit about your work-life balance. It sounds like you're very good work-life balance. Is that true? Is that and how's your work-life balance working out for you? So I, I I try like you know I mean one of the reasons for wanting to be an entrepreneur and and to run a startup is so that at least I I you know I, maybe I could own my time right. Um, so so as much as that was a dream to own your time and be you know absolutely independent, hasn't worked out like that. It's been more grueling. And more stressful than you know working a job, um, but but yeah, like you know we we do as as as, as founders have a very clear understanding that you know uh, to grow to develop to be productive you need to have time for yourself right. So all three of us, Ajay, Ashwajit, and I, we go to the same CrossFit gym called CrossFit Create, which is close to our house. Uh, so we try and make uh, you know at least four to five times a week we try and get a workout in. Uh, I usually go in the morning; they go in the evening. But, uh, you know, getting that workout in and that competitive spirit with each other to see, you know, who is where, who's lifting how much, who's, uh, you know, faster than the other. Um, it keeps us really going, you know, so so we love that about it. Um, I would love to say that, you know, I, I, I sleep my 10 hours or 8 hours, etc. But I don't, uh, you know, I live a life which is, uh, you know, uh, I'm always distracted, always on my phone, always trying to make sure that, you know, uh, things are going. But I do try and balance it out with at least half an hour to 45 minutes of reading. Uh, I don't listen to too many podcasts. Uh, I wish I, I, I wish I heard more podcasts and, you know, was more of an audio book or a podcast listener. Um, you know, that doesn't happen too much, but I do read books and I also do uh, try and, you know, read a lot of articles on the internet, right? So I'm working, I have my tabs open, you're always reading something, uh, but I want to be more of a listener. Uh, so let's see, let's see how that goes. That is pretty, so I think for what you're describing for your first four or five years, you seem to have a very good work-life balance, right? I remember when I started Equinox, my balance was completely off. Like I was doing 14-hour days. Uh, I didn't have time to go to the gym. I didn't have time for my family. I didn't have time for myself. I kind of overworked myself. Uh, it paid off, but sometimes you wonder, is the price too high, right? But the good part about it is over time, I've been able to get all that back. 
So I've in the last two years, I've lost 20 kgs. I'm probably the fittest I've ever been. I spend five times more time with my kids. I take an hour or two out every day for personal passion projects. So I think over time, once I started putting more systems in place and, you know, started empowering people more, that freed me up, right? So have you seen that? Do you have challenges as an entrepreneur to empower people and let go control? Or are you still like holding on to a lot of decisions? So there are, uh, you know, I think uh, for the first couple of years, you know, we were uh, holding on to everything and doing it that way. And now we started building teams, getting more people involved, freeing up ourselves, uh, you know, playing the role more from a decision maker standpoint, uh, you know, but, but, but for us, like, I also believe that, you know, continue to get your hands dirty as many people as you hire and empower them. It doesn't mean that you are detached, right? You have to, uh, you know, uh, be prepared to get your hands dirty when you need to. But, you know, you, you said many times right now, and you use the phrase, I didn't have time, right? I think that should be replaced with, I didn't prioritize, right? So I didn't prioritize my, my health. I didn't prioritize fitness. I didn't prioritize spending time with my kids. So the moment you rephrase that, you realize that, you know, you have to make it a priority, right? And then it'll happen. Uh, so one of the things, I guess, you know, for, for us or for me, I might have learned this a little earlier than, say, you, right? Where I, I feel like, okay, you know, I think this is because of in the last three years, uh, Ashwin, the mental health conversation has become more mainstream, right? And the moment it becomes a part of your, uh, you know, uh, society, culture, what's happening around you, right? You're more aware of it, right? So so possibly when you started, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how long ago you started Equinox, um, 15 years back. That time there was no concept. So, so yeah, I mean, mind, yeah, definitely. So 15 years back and maybe for the first five, seven years, you know, the way the world was working at that time, uh, you know, you weren't able to. But last five, six years, I think, you know, the younger lot us uh, are more aware of that we need to prioritize this, you know. So the moment I say to myself, I don't have time, I tell myself also, no, you're not prioritizing it, right? Um, and that's happened. I'm not saying that what, what my routine that I described to you today, it's not been this, you know, for the last five years at all. Let me clarify that, right? Um, I've had like, you know, no gym, no fitness, no reading, no podcasts, no sleep. But, you know, I, I chose different, uh, you know, uh, behavioral habits and, and way of living, right? But uh, I got married. That brought some san- sanity to my life also, more routine. Uh, or so I think, uh, and uh, and then you gradually say, okay, you know, we're all learning, we're all developing and growing together, right? So, so what I'm seeing is uh, people today help each other. You know that that ecosystem that's been created, probably using um, you know internet internet as a media to connect with people to learn so much more. That wasn't as much as a culture 15 years ago, right? Today I know people, random people on the internet. If you just ask for something, like if I ask for something on Twitter. There'll be 20, 30 people will DM me. They will message me right there. Like, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you try that? You know, like I was, I started blogging recently. So I was like, hey, what do I use? Even though I have an in-house team, I have been, I'm a techie myself, but I wanted to explore, hey, are there any new platforms? I'm not even kidding you. Within three minutes, I had 10 recommendations on Twitter. People letting me know, hey, why don't you try Substack? Hey, why don't you try Ghost? Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Right? So I think I'm, I'm so happy that the ecosystem has been created, right? And people are getting advice from people on the internet you may not even know over time those people actually become friends they become mentors they become you know they play such a big role uh, for me my mentors have always played a very large role in my life right and uh, 
and, and that could be somebody who advises me one minute in an entire year or could be 20 minutes or 30 minutes every week. Tell me a little bit about mentors in your life. Do you have mentors in your life? Are you a mentor to somebody? I would love to hear your take on mentors. So, uh, you know, I mean, when we started out, uh, I, I don't think we realized the importance of mentors in our, uh, you know, lives, right? Uh, uh, we we gradually, I think, you know, uh, on, our, on our journey, discover that, okay, you know, you can't, uh, you don't have all the answers, right? All you have are questions, right? And you have to find people who you can bounce these questions and ideas off. Um, so, uh, you know, we always aspire. And I don't think I would say we have one mentor or a fixed person we go to. But uh, you're always on the lookout to bounce ideas off people, have conversations with, uh, you know, not just founders of other startups, but I personally was, I was telling someone this morning that I like talking to, you know, uh, the teams that, you know, not that the founders don't do things, but like, the teams behind the founders, right, who are actually on ground doing a lot of execution work because they tell you and they give you a lot of advice on how they're actually thinking, what they're doing, who they're working with, how they're solving challenges and problems, right? So, of course, as a founder of a young startup, I know I have access to other founders, but I try and find people, you know, on LinkedIn who are working uh, in, in these, you know, startups and have uh, specific roles to play and then get specific information from them. So, you find mentors in the most unexpected places sometimes, right? Uh, and yeah, so you don't always, you know, so you don't always have to, uh, you know, go to people who are industry leaders or senior folks or the big, you know, thing. You just need to, you know, keep engaging and keep talking and keep like, uh, be open to listening and learning from anyone, right? So a mentor does not necessarily have to be an expert. It does not necessarily have to be uh, someone who's old, you know, not at all, right? Um, so, so I think that's one way of like, you know, appreciating that, okay. I think even the word, when you say mentor, most people would expect me to say, okay, this old folk who's worked at Pepsi is a mentor. No, you know, it, it could be anybody, right? Um, Absolutely. So by the way, my, I've just gotten active on Twitter. So I used to be active a long time ago, almost like five, six years ago, then I completely stopped. I've just gotten active on Twitter. The person who's now teaching me Twitter is a 19 year old kid sitting i don't even know where like somewhere in the country he's sitting and you know he's tweeting and yeah i actually just reached out to him saying hey i did this what do you think he gave me such a big piece of, okay why don't you do this why don't you do threads why don't you do this why don't you try that why don't you link this okay send me the next thing i will you know help you comment on it i'll do and i'm so amazed by what you can learn when you are open to learning right so I've been speaking to a lot of colleges. Uh, I've been, you know, talking to a lot of uh, mentorship groups, uh, incubation centers. You know, they, I get invited for talks. The reason I do those talks is not because I have a lot to share. And I start my talk by saying, guys, I'm here for selfish reasons. And everyone's wondering what I'm going to say. I, I keep saying I'm here to learn, right? So this is not me telling you some gyan. It's me sharing something I've learned. And I want you all to share something you have learned, right? So both of us, all of us kind of leave enriched. And every single time I do that talk, I come out so much with knowing so much more than I went going into. Even though I am the speaker, I'm the expert, right? I'm known as a serial entrepreneur or whatever, right? But every time I interact with people, I learn so much more from them. And no, for, but for I think me, I, I couldn't agree with you more on what you've just said because I'm I'll be honest, I'm here today for selfish reasons as well, right? Uh of course, you invited me and I couldn't, I would not say and I couldn't say no to you because I have very high regard for you and what you're building and what you're doing. Uh, but I'm here for selfish reasons nonetheless, right? I I, I want, uh, you know, uh, 
if there if there's one person who hears this who hasn't heard of sleepy owl before it's a win for me right uh, if there's one person who hears this and uh, you know gets in touch with me and is excited to talk to me and share their idea that they're working on even better right i could impact someone else's life and guide them in the right direction uh, and if there's you know one person who hears this and comes to me and i get to you know work with them or learn from them even better right so yes it's definitely it's definitely selfish <laughs> so tell me about a superpower that you have that many other people may not know you have okay uh i don't i don't know okay that many people don't know i have mm-hmm. like it's a secret superpower i can uh, you know uh, it's not a secret superpower but i love talking i love i'm a, i'm an extrovert right so uh, so i don't know if people uh, know that or don't know that but um i'm a, i'm a hardcore extrovert like i i get i get my energy from people right um so i had i had covid for me the fever the body ache was all all like you know nothing to even worry about for me being 15 days in a room uh couldn't do it couldn't do it you know i need to talk to people i need to engage with people i derive my energy from uh people around me right uh, i believe i'm a people's person i love interacting with people and i believe that's my superpower uh you know i could i could go on and on and on with you on this podcast for 2 3 5 hours i you know i'm sure there'll be enough to talk about um, so that's my superpower to to not be able to you know get bored of like people i love people <laughs> that's the best i think that's a, the the best one to have right because it's so much fun when you get to meet new people when you get to you know uh, do something like this so i've been wanting to do this for such a long time i think i mentioned it to you last year that like, hey i'm planning to do this this year i prioritized it and i'm actually making it happen and it's so much fun i enjoy this this is not work for me it's getting to know you getting to learn so many things from you and i think if people have that mindset that you can grow and find it right so tell me about a little bit i'm now going to go back to sleepy owl for a second so what is your five year plan for sleepy owl what do you see sleepy owl like what do you aspire sleepy owl should be five years from today So I mean, you know, we are one of the fastest growing D2C uh coffee brands or, you know, D2C uh you know, beverage startups if you can put it that way, right? And uh our our, our primary focus is the in-home coffee market, right? We don't have our own stores or cafes. Um we are FMCG and we are direct to consumer, right? Um our, our aim is to be uh, you know, uh capture as much market share uh, from the biggest uh, players in the space today and uh, you know in the next 5 years definitely be a name to reckon with uh, when it comes to uh, you know fmcg young fmcg brands right um, and if all goes well i think you know 30% of the direct to consumer coffee market should be sleepy owls that's what we're targeting and i think we will achieve that if uh, if we keep doing things the way we are if we work harder if we innovate um you know it's up for grabs and uh, i think it's i think it's quite doable so that's the broad five year plan uh how we're going to do it is you know we're not we're, go- we're not going to uh you know uh we're going to we're going to strive to continue to innovate and do things differently right uh, uh you know that that's one thing that there we're going to stay strong to our core uh, which is innovation which is exciting products exciting services things that you know uh our our, our customers would least expect so i i think you touched upon something very key which is innovation right if today if you don't innovate or if you don't innovate fast enough 
you're not you're not going to grow because if you do something interesting, there are going to be 10 people who are going to copy that. Right. So when we started doing hygiene audits, when we started doing so many things as a company, many of our competitors were copying us and my people just my you know entire sales guys used to get so pissed they're like, what the hell? Why are they copying it? I used to take it as a compliment. I used to be like, hey, who do you copy? Do you copy number four, number 10, or do you copy number one? We are one of the fastest growing labs in our field. Today, we have a dedicated innovation department within our company. We have a, a mandate for every of our process needs that we need to innovate faster than other people can copy. Today, any given point in time, there are 10 to even 15 projects which are outside our core competencies, which we are working on. Nine of them may actually shut down also in six months in one year. And that is perfectly fine. But that one that succeeds will actually make up for all the losses we made up on the ninth. Right? And that's something we've been doing for the last five, six years, right? On a very focused approach for the first decade, it was more by, you know, like I had to run that innovation. So a lot of, a lot of that came on my shoulder. But today that's become the company culture. And I've seen that in your company as well, right? That that culture is there of doing new things, breaking the mold. Like so many cool new things have been launched and I'm a big, big, big fan of yours, right? And it's very difficult to do it. Like if you just think of coffee and if you just, you know, see the market dispassion, you're like, okay, how much more can you do? But you guys have done so much more with it. You've made it cool. You've made it happening. And I think a big kudos to you and your co-founders and your entire team. And I think it's done a fantastic job. So my last question for the day for you is what advice would you give somebody entering this field uh, you know, a young 20-year-old, what if they drink this field, what is the one piece of advice would leave them with? Uh, you know when you are uh, when you are starting something uh, you can't get uh, you know you can't get very far if you just try and dip your feet in the water right you you can't keep uh, doing that you have to dive head first uh, into the into the pool of water and then figure out how you swim right like uh, you you can't be cagey about it so if you are interested in working and uh, you know doing a job learning getting experience do that right but once you're once you've decided that okay, I want to start something, don't be half in half out, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, go all in. And once you're all in, like, you know, it takes time. Answers will you don't know everything on day one. And things slowly reveal themselves. Uh, you know, you heard of the word pivot, right? So people pivot, people change trajectories. So you could have an existing business. You know, this is what you want to do. But you make slight pivots. You could make a complete U-turn. But you learn and identify only when you're in it properly, right? Um, I'm not. I'm not uh, trying to glorify risk taking at at a crazy level. No, but you know, if you want, uh, you know, we, I mean, we we didn't know five years ago that we'd be here today. We didn't know that we'd find uh, the kind of partners we did who work with us today. No, but one thing that we did was start without looking back, right? Just looking forward, and then things have worked out broadly, and I hope they continue to do so. I love that uh, analogy of dive head first, not even like both feet in as nice. you go, you go jump into the and figure it out, right? So that was that was lovely. And there was, uh, I learned so much uh, from you, Arman, and what you guys are doing at Sleepy Owl. Uh, I'm saying it one more time, big fan of the brand, uh, love the culture that you've set up for coffee and, and then around coffee. And I'm so glad that you were so generous with your time and sharing your knowledge with all the viewers. A big thank you for that. And I'm looking forward to seeing you grow. And I want to see you not just at a national level, but an international level. I want to see Sleepy Owl in US. I want to see it in London. I want to see it in Australia. I want to see it all across the world. 
And I'm going to be very excited to see what you guys come up with next. Thank you, thank you so much, yeah. Ashwin. That's uh, it's been it's been a pleasure speaking with you and interacting with you. Thanks for coming, sir. Hey guys, so that was Arman Sood, uh, and I think he shared so much that he has learned. He shared his mistakes. He shared some victories. He shared some of the future plans, and I'm hoping that inspires the next coffee entrepreneur, beverage entrepreneur, just entrepreneur to come up with. See you guys in the next episode. Thanks a lot.